Hello everyone and welcome back to Contractor Evolution. A team that is tightly knit, closely bonded, cohesive, is gonna outperform a team that is loosely assembled 10 out of 10 times. Team building is about more than just selecting the right people for the right roles. We as leaders also need to intentionally bring people together, help facilitate the rapport building, help forge the trust building. And we play a role in helping develop those connections between staff that take them from just coworkers to someone they'd go to bat for. Strategies, tactics, and systems are all incredibly important, and we talk about them a lot, but when things go sideways and the chips are down, it's the cohesiveness of your team, not your well-laid schemes that will get you out of a jam. One of the quickest shortcuts we've found in the Breakthrough Academy universe to boost team cohesion is service-based activities and trips. Go-karts and wing nights and laser tags are all awesome and have their place. But if you really want to put team bonding on steroids, doing something good for a person, a family, or a community is the fastest way to do it. We all have this innately human need to serve others, and the emotional intensity of these experiences can help bring people's walls down. They're fun, too. Mike Sherbikoff, our guest today, is the founder of the Greatness Foundation, a nonprofit that leads impact initiatives and community projects aligned with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. He's also, this is really cool, he's also a partner in the Veteran Fund, a venture capital firm that invests in high growth tech startups that are all led by ex-military founders. Through the lens of his military background, Mike explains why team cohesion is so fundamental to success, what happens to units without it, and how to bring your team closer while doing some good in the world. And by the way, if you're a Breakthrough Academy member, you'll recognize him from some of our epic house build trips in Mexico. Let's dive in with Mike. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Mike, it is so good to see you again, man. Uh, thank you for doing this. Welcome to Contractor Evolution. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to chat today. So... I really just want you, like, you know, I, I, I know you a bit in my personal life. I, I've also, you know, d done a couple trips with you over the years, but, and many of our BT members have as well, but their broader audience is not as familiar with, with you or your work. Can you just outline for us here at the beginning the nonprofit work that you've been up to over the last few years? Yeah, happy to. Thank you. And um, here, here's the very quick version because I think it's, it's important and it'll tie into our larger conversation in terms of my background, I, I grew up in the Bay Area, just outside San Francisco, and uh, I joined the Marines right out of high school. Again, that will kind of weave that in into this conversation later. After the Marines, uh, went to school, started my first business, and I've been on this. I, I did the entrepreneur track and now the investor track. All along the way, I kind of kept coming back to this question of purpose. And I've followed these little nudges of these things I was passionate about and these things that I felt pulled to do. And so 11 years ago, a friend of mine invites me uh, on a house build project in Mexico. I had seen this thing on social media. I've seen people talk about it. I've always wanted to do it. I had kind of been involved in different volunteer and nonprofit things along the way. I did, you know, Big Brother for several years when I was in the Marines. I, you know, volunteer just, you know, here and there. 
So I go on this uh, house build project in Mexico. We meet Friday morning, gather up with the group. We get in these vans, drive two and a half hours across the border. So, you know, San Diego is very close to the Mexico border. We drive across and all of a sudden, like, it feels like a different world. Like, where, where am I? And uh, we meet our construction staff and we show up. There's nothing there. We see where the family was living, which is actual dirt. When we say like, you know, they're on dirt. They have these like little pallets, maybe for walls, mostly like these little super thin plywood. They have a rip tarp for a roof. Kids are kind of running around barefoot. Everyone's like, just doesn't look well, certainly like malnutritioned and, and, you know, not safe. And, um, we start building and we're, we're building this home and I'm just like really immersed in this experience. And, you know, anytime I'm taking a break, I'm playing with the kids, uh, everyone from the local community kind of starts coming there. I'm just, you know, I'm kind of interacting. I'm, I'm soaking up every part of this experience, not on my phone, just like they're building the home, engaging with the community. And it kind of, honestly, it flew by pretty quickly. The next thing I know it's, Sunday. Again, we left Friday morning. It's Sunday. And uh, the pastors there were dedicating the home. We give the keys to the family for the first time. They walk through the front door. And I'm feeling kind of emotions start to, you know, rise to the surface. Again, it just felt like I, I was so present. I was so in it. I didn't really have time to process it. And then it's actually on the drive back. It's Sunday afternoon and I'm in the van. I remember this like vividly. I'm behind the driver uh, of the van, kind of looking out the window on this dirt bumpy road. And all of a sudden, Benji, I lose it. Like completely lose it. Like ugly crying. Like, and I'm, you know, getting, being in the Marines, it's like, you know, try to be tough, yeah. try to keep it together. Unfortunately, like not a lot of people can see, but I'm just like, bawling, bawling, like, and you know, it's a two and a half hour drive and I'm, I'm crying for like a good hour. And, uh, I get back to San Diego, which is where I live. And, um, I think about like, why was, why, what happened? Like, why was I that emotional? And what I really like sat down, I didn't have a good answer other than I need to come back and do this. There's something about this experience that is so impactful that is so powerful so like emotionally like meaningful to me that i although i don't have a good answer of why i'm going to come back and so fast forward again this was 11 years ago i I invite at first a small group of friends to come down with me and say hey i want to you know what do you guys think about going down there to build a house let's raise a bunch of money okay get a you know five ten friends then do it again and do it again and do it again. And, um, you know, now it's been 11 years, every quarter, uh, so every three months going down to Mexico and building homes. And, you know, we're been very fortunate. We've had amazing partners like you and and friends kind of come in from all over the world. And, um, we've built many homes down in this area, uh, of Mexico called Maniadero now. And, um, it, it, it never stops being impactful. I actually was worried. I thought, you know, after a few times of doing this, is this going to get a little monotonous or routine? It's, is it going to lose its impact? No, I still bawl my eyes out every time we're leaving. So that's kind of the, the little bit of the origin story and and what we've been doing down there for 11 years. What, what's the organization called? 
So Greatness Foundation is what I started um, to kind of corral the group. That's under you know, Greatness Ventures is the organization that I run. And what we do is we partner with amazing organizations in Mexico, uh, the main one being Baja Bound. They are the ones that are in charge of that. They do the home builds. They kind of source the construction staff, people that want to go and lead their own projects. I always direct them to Baja Bound because they're they're wonderful. Additionally, there are you know, six other nonprofits that we work with down there. Campo Esperanza, the feeding program, Casa Gabriel, which is the orphanage for children with special needs, Casa Hogar, which is another orphanage. So um, there are a lot of great organizations down there. But uh, yeah, we do it under the greatness umbrella. It's typically like a 48-hour turnaround. You go down with a group and 48 hours later, there's a small house. Can you describe the structure, like the actual building that gets left there? Yeah. So when we show up on Friday morning, uh, there is a cement foundation there that was just laid two days before. And there is, people always ask, what's the selection process? We have nonprofit partners down there um, where there are hundreds of families in this queue uh, waiting to have homes built for them. It's all built uh, for them on a by need basis. There's background checks done, uh, making sure that, you know, the the children, they say that are their children, uh, and they, their in-person interviews done. Uh, they have to own the land and have been making payments on it. And just for context, you know, the land varies anywhere between a thousand and five thousand dollars for them, uh, which is a lot of money when they're making you know eight dollars a day working twelve-hour days. Um, so I say all that just so everyone understands the context. Some context. When we get yeah. there. This yeah, the the cement foundation is poured. It's ready to go, and there are just piles of wood uh, waiting for us to build it. Um, we, we get going, we, we frame everything. We put the walls up. It's a 16 by 20 home. It's a two bedroom, uh, home that we put a loft in as well with a little ladder. So it's kind of like a two bedroom living room with a cool loft area that the kids love. You know, usually that's their, like, that's where the kids stay. Um, it's insulated, which is very important. We run electric as well. Um, people asked about plumbing. We don't do plumbing. Um, it's just very, very complicated to do that. They use outhouses there. And, you know, the insulation, Benji, is one of the most important pieces because, um, you know, people complain about how hot it gets uh, in Southern California during the summer. And, uh, you know, when we say like if, if Southern California gets a cold, uh, Mexico gets the flu, meaning things are way worse down there. So in the summer, it protects them from like the extreme heat. And in the winter, when people are freezing, um, it protects them not just from the rain and the elements, you know, because of the roof, but the insulation actually keeps them warm too. So just that actually thermal regulation keeps the kids from getting sick. And that's that's a really important piece of this. Now, we're, we're having this conversation um, f- for a couple reasons. W- one is to, to give the Greatness Foundation and Baja Bound and all the work that, that you guys do some, some pop. The other is to actually look at this idea of, of team cohesion through the lens of, of do, like doing acts of service together as a team, as a unit, which has been a conversation that's kind of been like bubbling up at, in the Breakthrough Academy world. It's like you can go play go-karts, which is great, and I'm not knocking that. You could also do something really meaningful uh, for someone or for something or for some group. And I just think it's it's sort of that that is team building on steroids. So I want to get to that in a second. But before we do, 
you have a really neat background, a really neat mili- a Marines background. Uh, you kind of come from that military universe. What did that experience teach you about this idea of team cohesion? And you can go super high level here. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, we were ch- chatting before we started actually recording for this. It, it, the ties that I find between my experience in the military, I mean, also even what I do professionally now, uh, and and the projects that we lead in Mexico, and um, you know, at the core of it is like community, it's team, and it's it's bonding. And I've been fascinated with this because I studied kinesiology and psychology. Like from a psychology standpoint, it's like why do we bond in these ways, and what are what are human bonds? How do you create them? Why are some more meaningful to us than others? And, um, you know, a, a small example here is when I joined the Marines, the way it works is you go to boot camp for three months. And I always actually was interested in this. Like, what about the military? Like, how do they train people to be able to jump in front of a bullet for another human being that's not their family? Someone that you haven't known, you know, for 20, 30, 40 years. How? What? have they programmed in these people to have them willing to do that, willing to sacrifice their life for, you know, their brothers and sisters. And, you know, as soon as I start boot camp, it like, it makes sense. And that is the intensity of the experience that you share with someone, right? When you're going through hard things together, when you're doing something together in service of something greater than you, you know, we talked before we started rolling that, relationships can be like wide. You can have them over a pretty long course of time, decades with someone, and you feel like you have a a strong connection with them. You can also have like incredible depth. And what I find is like the, in the Marines, for example, in three months, you build incredible depth. You're doing incredibly hard things together. You're all there because you're doing this for, you know, a sacrifice greater than you for the country, for each other. And in a small way, like the team building experiences to your point, like, okay, you can do go-karts, that's fun. But is that really like a deep, intense, impactful, meaningful experience that like is as emotional as, you know, this experience was for me? I'd argue it's probably not. So people would say, okay, that was fun. You know, or you do an escape room with someone like, cool, you had that awesome experience. But how about doing something like, it, it is physically demanding. Let, let's, you know, I don't want to beat around the bush too. And when, when people come on these trips, they're like, they're pretty wiped out. <laughs> By the time you're back on Sunday, you know, some people, they have blisters on their hands. You know, so like you've gotten like probably sunburned, you know, you're not sleeping super comfortably in the evenings. Like it's, and we start early in the morning and you're working hard, but gosh, by the time you're done and you're laying your head down on the pillow at the end of the day, you're like, that was a good use of this human body. Like I put my body to work, I put my mind to work. And when you have a group of people that are doing that together, I mean, bonds are created. And it's just interesting from, again, a psychology perspective, how that creates these deep bonds with each other. And through the bonds, you know, trust is built. On a, on a functional level, what have you seen happen to teams units, organizations that that truly lack cohesion, the bonds are loose or distant, just don't have that kind of tightness about them. And you could maybe you can answer this in terms of like, 
you know, uh, the the background you have, there's sort of like the Marines answer to it. And then there's also sort of like the business world answer to it. And I think the parallels are very fundamental or very similar between the two. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely similar. So uh, the, the net result is when there's a lack of cohesion and there isn't a strong team and bonds between the individuals on a team, they fail their mission. It's that simple. Like in the military, if you, like, th- there's a reason SEAL teams are uh, set up the way they are. Fire teams are set up the way they are. There's a deep cohesion built. There's a deep trust built and they get the mission done full stop every time. And that, that needs to exist. And interestingly, like my world professionally is investing, right? I run uh, the veteran fund. We're an early stage venture capital fund. And all we, what we do is we come in with half million dollar checks into companies led by veterans. This is part of our core thesis as well. And you ask like, well, how does that, what does that have to do with team? Everything, everything. Because even at the stage that we're investing in, we look at really three things. We're looking at team, product, and market. Product, like the reality is most of them are going to have something kind of built. They're going to have like, a, you know, some a different, unique product there. We do want to see a market opportunity, but this is all like hypo, you know, we, we're validating assumptions and testing hypotheses. More than anything, especially at the stage we invest in, we make our investment decisions on team. We look at... Tell us about the cohesion that exists here. Tell us about the industry expertise. How do you all work together? You know, and this is this kind of common like uh, illustration where people say like bet on the jockey, not the horse, especially at the stage we're investing in. It is so true because the the business changes, the, the product changes, the market changes, but the team dynamic needs to be there to get through the challenging times. So just like in the military, strong team equals great outcome with the mission. We found the same thing, that when we bet on the best teams and the people that have the strongest bonds on that team, that's where we see the most successful outcomes with our companies. That's really interesting. You're, you're kind of saying that at the stage that you're buying in at, team is almost the trump card like product and market can't suck like they need i'm sure they need to be like above a certain threshold they need to be interesting and there's opportunity there but but the real crux of it comes down to the team cohesion piece for you guys when you make those decisions hands down interesting do you have any like practical advice for a listener around facilitating this fostering this within their own business like the construction and trade space, um, there are some outliers. A lot, many of our members are out. They've got long-term employees. They've got bought-in leadership teams. Every rung on the ladder is, you know, understands the why, understands the mission, really feels a, a part of the culture. There are some bright, shining lights here. I don't want to paint with too broad a brush. But if you were to ask the average contractor, the average tradesperson at any point in their career, hey, like, are these are these businesses, is, are these, like, is, is the average plumbing business, is the average general contractor, is the average landscape maintenance company, are they tightly knit? I think in many cases they would say no. Or they would say, eh, sort of, there's, you know, this division over here, they got a good crew lead, they're kind of tight, and maybe like the sales team, they, they got a good bond. But, but by and large, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, probably not. So, what have you found useful in your leadership tool belt? Maybe there's a few a few sound bites here you can give us. Like, what is just 
what moves the needle where team cohesion is concerned? Maybe it's selection. Maybe it's the way you do meetings. Maybe it's the way you do onboarding. Pull this from whatever experience you have, but what do you find the most useful if you're trying to just make the vibes around the building really tight? Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think the there's a single word that comes to mind, and, and that is alignment. Um, I also you know want to clarify that it's not always possible. You know, the reality is some people um, go to jobs and they see them as just that. I'm here, you know, to work, to make some money, and I don't really care that much about it. And when you have folks like that, there's, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. It's just important to acknowledge that like some people are, are just there to make money or, you know, to, to make a living. When I talk about alignment, I'm talking about a, a deeper purpose and why. And I find like if you really want to go far, you that alignment needs to be there all the way down. Like even for us, I can I can only share from experience, like us as investors in these companies, we need to be aligned with the founders that we're investing in and really understand their why. When we talk to them and understand their team, like one of the first questions I ask them is like, why are you building what you're building? We have kind of a unique thesis in the types of companies that we are we're invested in. So I actually know in every company we invest in, like why our founders are building it. And every person they hire, you know, from the first hire to the hundredth hire to the thousandth hire understands not just the culture, but the alignment. Like what is the ultimate mission of this company? What is our ultimate goal? What are we doing here? And so to the extent that that can exist in any type of, you know, professional services company, get it may not always be there perfectly. But I think even if it's not, having the conversation of why and what's important and finding ways to weave that in from a team, you know, cohesion perspective, I think is very important. So I think as an employer, as you know, boss, like asking the employees, like what matters most to them, right? If it's their kids, if it's something in their community and finding ways to weave that in, I think creates deeper cohesion. Like how do you all get on board with, a, a deeper why, a deeper mission that's aligned with the individuals involved, right? They have to care about why they're doing it or like if that doesn't exist, create something that they can rally around. A quick, I'll give you a quick example. Like we planted, a, a, come back to the fund, we, we planted a flag in the ground and our single sentence tagline is protecting America through venture capital. And this is like American values. It doesn't have, it's not country specific, right? But like the idea, and if people understand that and they, they get it, they, cool, come be part of this thing. That makes sense, right? And so I think it's important to have that, like, what is that kind of core mission statement? At, at Greatness Ventures, it was very simple. Our, our thing was, if you care about, if you're passionate about making a difference. So if like someone raised their hand and said, yeah, I want to make a difference. Or I want to help people. Like, great, you're part of our tribe. You're part of our community. And so if someone doesn't already have that established within their organization of like, what is it that people are raising their hand for? I think it's it's really important to establish one. I asked this question the other day, but I think it's such, it's such a good question. It's worth asking to multiple different guests. And we've just kind of stumbled into it, which is this idea of of mission and why. And 
being being motivated through the why. How, how does a leader do that for seemingly mundane tasks? If you are working at Tesla, I think it's more obvious. It's a little sexier. It's a little more futuristic. It's a, like there's certain like maybe industries, certain businesses, certain leaders where that why is like unbelievably compelling just because of the nature of the work that's getting done. And then there's this whole other section of the economy, which is massive and where we live, where it's like, how do you make a deep and meaningful why for someone who is cleaning windows on a ladder eight hours a day, who is mowing lawns eight hours a day, who is going home at the end of the day with their ears full of sawdust because they're literally on a job site building stuff. They're pouring concrete foundations. There's there's cement in their fingernails. Like the, on paper, that is not uh, you, you'd, ha- you, let's just be real. You'd have to work a little bit harder to build the narrative and paint the picture and make that why meaningful for that boots on the ground worker down there. Wh- what are your thoughts on, on making that connection for, for leaders in this space? Yeah, I think it's a really great question. And that's why I, you know, the last thing that I shared, I had that caveat of like, it's actually, it, it, it may not be possible. Um, and it, it's not a requirement for every organization. You just have to decide like if this is the kind of thing that you want to build, right? Personally, I'm at a point in my life where like I am very discerning with my time. Uh, I'm very aware of my own mortality. I, not to sound uh, morbid in any way, but like I do think about death. I think there's a, a an Australian palliative care nurse, Dr. Bronnie Ware, that you know studied patients in their last weeks of life and found the number one regret of the dying, which was, I wish I had lived a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And you'll see, I'll come full circle. You're like, where's, where's he going with this? <laughs> the idea is like, um, you know, we're all headed that way. And so I want to use my time here in a meaningful way. I, I say that personally. And I think that's for everyone to decide is like the eight, 10, 12 hours you're working a day, you're putting your time into something. I hope that it's meaningful and I hope that you care about it. That said, for the person that is the boots on the ground and like, look, I have a family to support and I'm just, I'm, I'm doing the windows. I'm getting the cement in my fingernails. and I'm like just working hard. There is a deeper why there. It just may not exist within what they're doing in that moment. This is the, where I would come back and say like, well, what is important to them? And I would ask that employee, right? Like, okay, your family is important to you. Tell me about your family. Like, you should know, you know, the, the their wife's name or husband's name or kids' names. Like, okay, well, do they have a church they go to? Great, they have this church. Like, what do they care about? You know, everyone cares about something. Some are concerned about, you know, animal safety. Some are concerned, you know, domestic violence. There's, I love that there's like this surge right now in like human trafficking. There's that film that just came out and Tim Ballard's doing this amazing work with Operation Underground Railroad, like, and people are getting on. And I think like it, it is important that regardless of what you do on a daily basis, which I hope eventually skews towards something you're passionate about, but even if it's not in this moment, like asking yourself in your employees and anyone in your life, like what they care about and finding ways to like do more of that. It's really that simple. Like let's come full circle. I didn't know why I was so emotional coming back that Sunday afternoon, but I, I felt a pull and I just said, 
I'm going to do more of this. So that's the real question is like, how do you do more of the thing that you care most about? And when you do that with other people, you create cohesion, you create deep bonds, you create alignment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And these these trips are kind of like this really wonderful little microcosm of that where you sort of the circumstances, the environment, the heat, the lack of sleep, the emotional roller coaster, the seeing the poverty, the building, the thing, the rise, sort of like the phoenix rising from the ashes. Like there's so much going on. It's a highly vivid and colorful and intense experience packed into 48 hours. Can you can you talk about just your own experience um, you know, with you know business owners who take their teams there or organizations that come down and do stuff or groups of friends even? What kind of team cohesion you see happen and what are, what are people saying as they leave? Do you ever hear back from them three months later, six months later? Like what's what's kind of the what, what kind of observable evidence do you have of this being a truly kind of cohesion driving weekend? Yeah. I mean, the first is like anecdotal, like the having done it for 11 years now, people talk about it all the time. Like I just, hey, remember when we did this build that they talk about it, you know, with me, they talk about it amongst their team. They bring it up with friends. Uh, I see like the groups and, uh, you know, that we created the the conversations that are happening. Um, So like there's there's a pride in something they did together. Um, that that's talked about many years later versus like, Hey, remember that go-kart experience we did? Like, not really. Maybe they talk about it for six months, but like it's, it's, you know, life goes fast. And when we look back, there are certain like milestones along the way that we're proud of. Okay. Maybe we graduated this thing or we got this big promotion or your children were born or they, you know, finished some big milestone. This tends to be like a blip, like a, a, a milestone that people love to point to and celebrate together. So that's special in itself because like, okay, you have a shared experience. The second is like the actual individual impact um, where I tell people this all the time and you've been on the builds to hear me say this, like it lights a spark. There's something about that experience that lights a spark that where people go like our, our tagline is, is this, and you've seen this a thousand times. <laughs> it's like, do great things. Like that's at greatness. That, that is our, like, it's that simple, like do great things. And I say that because after this weekend experience, I tell people, you, you don't have to come back and build homes in Mexico. That may not be the thing you're passionate about. It may not be uh, going to the orphanages. It may be not be the feeding program, but I have seen people go back and like start community groups. They start hosting dinners at their home to bring people together. They start doing things, you know, for the local animal shelter. I've seen, we've had house built marriages happen. People that met, oh, you know, over that shared experience. So it's it's kind of hard to point to just one single thing that you know people do this every time. More so, there's kind of this like spark of inspiration lit where they go out in the world and they start doing great things. And again, I've now seen it, you know, a longitudinal study 11 years later, people are better for it. Like not, there's not a single person that I know that is like worse or a team that is, is less bonded <laughs> because they went, right? Like only, they've only grown closer and more, more like more cohesion. I remember as a kid doing... um 
playing on soccer teams and there's an away tournament that the soccer team wants to go do. And I think, you know, bless our parents for they want to teach you some level of responsibility and grid and, and, you know, pay your way. And I remember those days they'd make us do bottle drives. And so you for a weekend and after your soccer game, you'd go house to house, door to door, and you'd collect bottles and collect cans. It's like when you're a kid, probably honestly, like two days of work, I bet you it's probably like $120 that you've raised. Really not a great, really not a great money-making venture, but that's not the point. The idea was you did something to contribute for your trip. And more importantly, like your team was way tighter. Like you, you, like you went out with the guy you played defense with or whatever. And I don't know if anyone, if that resonates with anyone. I'm sure some of our listeners did sports as a kid and they, they remember something like that. To me, this is like that for grownups. And I think what's really cool is if you owed a trades and construction company, you could do a trip like this relatively inexpensively. It's not nothing. There's trips, there's some accommodations. It's But if, if you're running, you know, a, a multi-million dollar business as a lot of our listeners are, like this is something that you could conceivably fit on your P&L one year. And um, I think what's really neat is you get you get to actually deploy and use some of the skills, some of those hands-on tradesy skills that that you uniquely have. And instead of just doing this for your employment, you get to do this for some good. And I think that's why we've seen so like we we've done I don't even remember two or three trips with you now, Mike. And a bunch of our members have gone back on their own with their own teams to do this again. And uh, the conversations I've had with Toby Woodawis, with Dan Stav, with Kurt Jansen, with Graham Bouvier, with all these people who have who've kind of like made this a part of their team building, um, it's it's really pronounced the difference it's made for them. Uh, and, and then for the team and the cohesion that it's that it's fostered for them. So I think that's why it's just like I, I'm such a big fan of this whole idea of like drive cohesion through service. Um, that's probably the best shortcut, the best hack that I can think of and that I found if you want a tightly knit bunch in your organization. Couldn't agree more. I just want to, if I could thumbs up that, I would. <laughs> just hit the like button. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> tell us a bit about the veteran fund. I, I just find it very fascinating. To, to, I, you, you mentioned, you kind of alluded you alluded to it earlier, but what are you guys up to? Uh, tell us about the mission. Tell us, about, if you can, some of the businesses you've invested in, what you guys want to do over the next few years. Just give us a summary. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I will say I'm, I'm very proud of a lot of things that I've done. Um, this particularly is, is a, a, really deeply meaningful uh and and from a career perspective the the thing i'm most proud of by a long shot and i you know i, I feel like i've done some pretty cool things that have yet to do some cool things i mentioned we're an early stage venture capital fund so at its core we invest in great companies right we invest in great teams that are building innovative technology but the byproduct of that is the the people that have come around this mission of ours like I talked about, we, you know, started, we, we brought a four-star general on General McChrystal. Uh, he's like one of the best known generals of our time. You know, he joined as an investor and then all of a sudden another general joins. And then these uh, exited founders join. And then these billionaires start joining. Then Deepak Chopra, if you know, if you're familiar with yeah, him in the mindfulness space, he joins as an investor, his business partner. And then uh, a month and a half ago, the Kraft family, the owner of the New England Patriots, joins us as an investor. So 
like and and at all the while we're like building this incredible we call it a tribe like we're building this tribe and we're making these great investments and it's like the joy of a lifetime like i'm learning nonstop these incredible people are coming around the table because they love this mission and what we're doing and um it's very hard to describe, Benji. It's it's so deeply meaningful um, that it's it's beyond okay. Let's invest and make more money. It's like we get to drive innovation. I call it modern day alchemy. Like it, all of the business owners that you're talking that your podcast reaches, at some point it was an idea in their mind, right? They said like, "Hey, I want to start a business," and then that something in their mind became real, and now there are. Think of all the people that it impacts, the people they employ, and the downstream effects of it. Um, I find that fascinating. We get to create that for in, in, by by investing and in, you know providing capital and resources and advice to our founders. So here's like like a very simple example of one of the companies I'm super excited about. One is called it's called Lone Star Lunar. They're based out of St. Pete, Florida, and they're putting data centers on the moon. And you hear that and you go like, what? Is that real? Yeah. But, Austin but Powers actually, it's interesting. It's like way out it there. Sounds, it sounds wild. And then we met like the former like NASA and SpaceX people and, and Chris Stott, the founder, his wife is an astronaut, Nicole Stott. She's been to space three times, International Space Station, did a spacewalk. Like fascinating individuals. And here's what's wild. Like we're filming this right now, recording uh, end of August. And um, just a couple of days ago, yeah, the country of India landed a lunar lander on the south pole of the moon. I don't know if anyone saw this. And there's this like race happening. We are actually going up in November. So I'm going to go to the launch. We're catching a ride on SpaceX's Falcon 9 using uh, intuitive machines, put a lunar lander on the surface of the moon, and we're going to transmit and receive our first bit of data. Like, so when I look at the moon after, you know, in, end of November, I'm going to say like, we funded a company that's on the moon. And like, to me, like talk about driving innovation and people think like, well, what's the point of it? If we are going to be interplanetary species, by the way, which I do think eventually we'll go to Mars, we need the moon as a forward operating base. And the first thing you need to do is like set up infrastructure. So this is the first step in, in many, many steps, but like how cool that we got to invest in this company. And now, you know, we've become obviously like friend, like this is, and now we're going to be on the moon in a few months. Like what? <laughs> Isn't it wild? And that that's one of the companies. Like it's, it, it's amazing. I, I love this stuff. And it, again, to come full circle, like this is stuff I'm deeply passionate about that has the right team and has the right team. They have deep, deep, why deep cohesion. And the people that are coming around this, uh, I would say are the same, are aligned in our mission. Is there a industry niche or kind of a market niche or product niche that you guys kind of gravitate towards, or is it basically any business, any arena uh, that is that is veteran owned? We say we we are actually we're generalists. We say uh, tech centric, industry agnostic. So you know people that aren't super familiar with venture, um, we are targeting hundred x returns. So we we like to come in at a, anywhere between a five and fifteen million dollar valuation. And the reality is we, we want these companies to realistically get to a billion dollar plus valuation right. in call it years five to seven, because those are the types of outcomes So every investment we make 
has to have the potential to 100x. Right. It's all about the upside. It's, yeah. It, you know, and we also mitigate the downside because we need to see an MVP and demonstrable traction. Like we, there are very specific things we'd look for. So it's not just ideas. You know, we do need to see a full-time team. We want to see uh, that signal in the market that this thing needs to exist. So there are like, you know, like nuanced pieces. Um, but yeah, 100x potential. Uh, and yeah, those are the type of valuations. We, not to get too much in the weeds, we we love what are called dual use companies where there's a government and a commercial application. So you kind of have, mm. you know, two areas that you're going after. But yeah, we've done now two space companies. We've done uh, two cybersecurity companies, future of work, one prop tech uh, in like the con- commercial construction space. Um, but all of them are exciting. Oh, what I was going to say for context, I looked at 1,200 companies last year and we invested in seven. Right. This year, we'll look at well over double that. It'll probably be like 2,500 or 3,000 companies. So, you know, it's a very, very small percentage of them that really meet that criteria that we're looking for. So very fascinating. I'm I'm going to, uh, I've already actually given you guys a follow uh, on all the platforms that I could find you on. For the listener that's kind of engaged with this conversation, gets the team cohesion idea, gets this whole idea of, of, of fostering it through service, where could someone, if they were interested, uh, find out more about booking themselves or booking them team uh, on, on one of these trips south of San Diego in, uh, what is it, Monteadero? Yeah, Monteadero. Yeah. yeah, the best is Baja Bound. You know, because okay. um, people ask us all the time, like, Mike, I want to do a trip with you guys. Like at my goal is actually all of those names, the individuals you lift, listed off earlier, that made me so happy to hear the name because the goal has always been people come on a trip, they get this experience and then they go, I want to do it myself, just like happened to me. Right. And so the best, if, if it's specifically they want to go and build homes with their teams, the Baja Bound. And um, if they just, you know, Google Baja Bound builds, I think it's BajaBound.org, I believe. The other, there's another Baja Bound, but it's a Mexican insurance, uh, car insurance company. <laughs> so not that one, it's the house building one. So if they want to do Mexico, that's definitely the one. If they're, you know, an individual and they want to join us on one of our quarterly builds, they're always welcome to do that. You know, we, we fill up pretty far in advance, but um, would love to have people join as individuals, but those are probably the best two resources. Okay. We will link those in the description. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for being here, dude. And and I really appreciate the conversation. Uh, have an awesome week and let's do this again sometime. Let's go forth and do great things. <laughs> Thanks, man. It was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Contractor Evolution. Uh, If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.